0: Well, welcome to Next Step Leadership. This is Tracy Reynolds. I'm here with my dear friend, Chris Maxwell, and my other dear friend, Doug Beecham. Thank you for this is four times together. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to turn the tables. This is a very, very special time in uh, something that anything that's important to Chris is important to me. So this is the National Epilepsy Awareness Month in November when this will be airing. And we want to take our focus today and just focus specifically on why that's a significant date and why that's important, Chris. So give us a little background and why that's important to you, therefore it's important to us.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a word that I was not familiar with until I became so familiar with it, uh, Epilepsy uh, comes from a Greek word, which means uh, to seize, to possess, or to hold. And uh, so many of the people living life with epilepsy, we feel like we are seized or possessed or controlled. And and since I had uh, the illness back in 1996, uh, I had encephalitis that caused me to live with severe brain damage and epilepsy as a result of the scar tissue in my left temporal lobe, I've learned this whole perspective of epilepsy and we feel so often we have this perspective of we're the victims and we are the ones that are seized or possessed or controlled, going back, you know, to the meaning of that word. And and one of the ways that I that I believe that the Lord has wanted me to lead, lead even with a weakness, to lead even with a mental limp, to lead even with a struggle is to to, to take a different perspective on that word and to, instead of seeing myself as the victim here, the object that this has happened to, to see myself as the subject, the one choosing to seize the opportunity that is put before me to talk about that that I would rather not talk about, uh, to talk about epilepsy and to talk about, yeah, my scar tissue, but in ways that can help other people deal with their struggles, their stories, their scars, in so many areas of life. You know, a high percentage of our audience are people involved in, in church, most of them, unless they've experienced, it, like my family and I have, wouldn't realize that 1 in 26 people in the United States deal with epilepsy at some time in their lives. Mm. And uh, that's that's a stat we need to think about. Uh, we need to realize... That's a lot of that people. That's a lot of people, and we need to realize that that's just epilepsy. So you add to that a variety of health issues disabilities uh, weaknesses uh, physically emotionally or mentally if we are going to lead well and think about the next step leadership we need to lead with the limps aware of the limps that others are battling with and aware of our own
0: Mm.
1: that's so good well
0: how did this become so important to you chris
1: yeah well you know, that's the, that's the question I never like to be asked <laughs> because I have to go back and tell that story. And, and Doug, you were, a, you were a part of my life and you knew exactly mm-hmm. what happened. But, um, you know, it was March of 1996. I was pastoring. And my wife Debbie and I were raising our three sons. They were growing up so fast. We had a wonderful church in Orlando. And I was like always healthy. I mean, I didn't get sick much, and coaching basketball and baseball. And, um, and I became very sick. And they did not know what was wrong with me. Um, went to a doctor. He couldn't figure out what was happening. I continued uh, passing out, falling to the floor. I was communicating, not making much sense as I talked. I know many of us as preachers do that (laughs) frequently, but this was different. This was different. And I eventually uh, uh, realized that this is not good, and Debbie took me to the emergency room, and uh, they first thought I overdosed on drugs. They realized that wasn't what had happened, and uh, as they saw how severe my condition was, they did not know if I would live. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a scary time for my wife, for our sons, uh, for our family, for our church. And um, spent a long time in the hospital. (laughs) And then the Chris that came back from that time in the hospital was not the same Chris that entered in. I became a very different person. Um, I had very little memory. I couldn't remember the names of our own sons. And I had to learn life again. All the things that I was kind of good at doing, that I enjoyed doing, had to relearn them again. So
2: I remember that period very well. Um, I was the Georgia Conference superintendent for our denomination at that time in early March. And uh, my father uh, died of a sudden heart attack. Uh, Essentially, at the same time, you were being diagnosed, and you were at the point of death. And I can re- I vividly remember thinking, uh, uh, you know, th- this is terrible. My, I've, I've lost my father, and I'm losing a very close friend who are going to die at the same time. And, uh, uh, and they're coming over a period of time to learn more after working through the funeral for my dad and all the things that were associated with with grief that follows that keeping up with what was happening to you i knew you before when you were a student and then i would come down and speak for you in orlando and you were very driven i don't know if people who remember you then you were very driven you're very athletic you were a good ball player and very driven in class you were very good uh and, and you had a good church, but you were driven. And not all of that is bad, but that takes you down a certain path. There's a certain personality associated with that. Uh, and the, you talk about you, you sort of came out of this grave a different person. And we all recognize that. The other thing that I thought was so important was the way your congregation... Stood with you and your family. Yes, uh, you you were in a different Pentecostal denomination, but your district leadership uh, stood by you. You've made reference bef- before of your prayer partners and friends who I who I knew uh, there in Orlando. You were not left alone, and uh, and you came back a different person. You. Uh, you had to learn different things. new. you, those of us who, over the years, have connected to you, we and I've used this, you and I have talked about this, you came out uh, thinking with a limp. Yeah. Uh, because your brain doesn't work right. Uh, I've noticed to me over the last, what, 20 years or so, that uh, you've gotten much better at it. And thank God for technology because you're really good at keeping names and dates and all. Um, but I, from my perspective, you're a much better leader
1: mm.
0: now
2: wow. than you would have been without this. That's now. I, I just, that's just my observation of it. You know, I, as I, I'm fascinated,
0: I, I wish I could just. Pull peel back my emotions and let people know what what I feel there is because, see, I Chris is my best friend and I've known him for fifteen years, closer to sixteen now, but I didn't know that Chris and I can imagine, and what I imagine is what you talk about yeah. because I, I see that and you know I've read everything he's ever written, um, but that's our, most of our readings anymore is our texting early in the morning, um, but what I love is the advocacy. I think because you have have been through what you have been through, now you have instant credibility with so many people. And God has shown you such favor uh, to be able to represent. And, and let me just say this. You represent them well because it's all heart. Uh, you don't let them take on the, the, the victim moniker. Uh, that's not who you are. And I've watched you learn and relearn, and, and he has gotten so much better mm-hmm. at all that stuff. But but uh, I've seen the, the imaging of your brain and things like that. But, man, this guy's written 10 books yeah. and talks incredibly well. Uh, I love placing him in your... I, I mean, who asks a guy with brain damage to take his class next week? I do, because mm-hmm. you are so competent. Um, but... That gives you credibility, Chris, to be an advocate, someone who who comes in and says, "If I can do these kinds of things, you can too." And on the other side of it, to people like me, encourage me to be an encourager, to make space, and and to, so I would like for you to help us to be better at giving opportunities, Chris. I mean, say as specific as you can go to say, what are the kind of things that we can do to help. Uh, in, particularly in this month of epilepsy, it make us more aware of
1: the kind of things we can do to, to be more loving and compassionate, brother. Yeah, well, thanks. And I appreciate both of you guys so much in your comments. Uh, I, I think it's important to ask questions and really want to know from other people. Uh, if we want to lead well, I think we need to be aware of two key areas. What are our own struggles as a leader? What is our limp? where is our scar tissue okay because mm-hmm. we all have it oh, yeah. yours may not be needing anti medication like mine is but everybody needs something and they need to be aware of what is your limp sometimes we try to overperform as our method of denial mm-hmm. about our limp about our scar um but yeah so be aware of your own but then those that you're leading welcome their limp welcome their scars mm-hmm. and include that in a conversation uh, if if we were uh, if if we were a church staff right now, for instance, okay, let's just imagine the three of us are in a in a church staff, and we're planning restructuring the auditorium. Okay, you guys might think, oh, man, this is the new coolest lighting they have on the market. Mm-hmm. We have to have this. And you'll turn to another one, can we put this in the budget? And the other one say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just be sitting over here in silence for a minute, and you guys would turn to me and say, okay, Chris, what would you say? I would say, do you realize that that type of lighting can trigger seizures?
2: That's, That's right, strobe lights yes. can really do
1: and, that. And, it, and we put on our, you know, our statement of our identity and of who we are that everyone is welcome here. Well, I'm going to tell you guys that anyone with epilepsy or some other. Other light-sensitive struggle, they're not going to feel welcome, and they will not come. That's right. Wow. They will not come. Um, and and I know many people who have epilepsy similar to mine, and they're light-sensitive. They just refuse to come to church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, even before even before COVID, their church was online
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they weren't going to attend because they may love the preaching and the people, but the environment is almost like too cool for them. Uh, because it affects them. It affects their electrical system. Another thing is, do we allow space for interruptions, especially in our church services? If someone is there with a certain disability, and a family wants to have all of their children there, and that child is going to make sounds and mumble or make statements during the service, or we going to make them leave, mm-hmm. or it or is that the sound we need in our church today? Yeah. Do yeah. we need the sound of a stutter? Do we need someone to try to sing along when they can't sing at all? See, I want us to be aware of that. And, and, and I'm more sensitive to that now than I ever would have been. Yeah,
2: me too. I, there's, there's another very, area I want to mention. Uh, besides your church that was so supportive of you, uh, and the community that you're in now, your family... Your wife and your your children, uh, your sons have essentially grown up with this. And your wife has been just a really solid uh, mate and love and support for you. I, that I think pastors and congregations need to remember what families are going through.
1: Mm-hmm. Not just the person
2: with epilepsy or whatever the... For like, I don't know if this is the politically correct term, whatever disability people are going sure. through, that that it affects the family. That's so true. And 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 how how do we how do we minister to that family and that family feel that they're in a safe place? Yeah, with other families as well. Yeah, and You're I think welcome. Uh, Tracy, you made a comment when we were off uh, a few moments ago uh, of what you and your family are going through. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I do. Uh,
0: just a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate uh, the first birthday of our little granddaughter, Sophie, who's just, I have three granddaughters, and uh, a nine, almost a six-year-old, and a, almost a one-year-old. Well, Sophie, we found out several months before she was born, uh, suffers with Down syndrome, and I say suffers. That seems like all the strangest word in the world because those kids just don't suffer. Well, I've always thought, you know, the cool thing about that is that coolness gets relatively less cool as the kids get older, right? Well, with Sophie, I just have a hunch I'm going to be cool all mm-hmm. my, the rest of my life, which I'm looking forward to that. But you said something a minute ago, Chris, that um, there might be inappropriate sounds. I remember uh, being in a Wendy's uh, a few years ago uh, when I was working at the college, and there was a, a guy probably about our age that would come in, and, and he was just super, super loud. And he was a, someone who'd struggled with some mental issues and some probably some Down syndrome and some other things going on there. But he, part of his MO was he was loud, and it was socially, obst- you know, it was definitely intrusive. Um, but I had not remember thinking to myself, well, what? hello that's my best opportunity today probably to show the love of jesus was just to make allowance for that so what um, just get right back and have a good time with him uh, uh, show him the respect that he deserves as an individual of worth and value I never used to notice a whole lot uh, I don't could not tell you probably five kids that I knew with Down syndrome until Now that's part of our lives and we're learning how to grandparent that and we're still just learning that. But Oh my goodness, is there ever a big birth in my heart for all kinds of disabilities that I, as I'm getting older at 64, I feel like I'm just beginning to learn how to love in that area. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think we all need to just become better aware of that. And, you know, just some, some practical steps. Um, And Tracy, you had told me to make sure I mentioned this, and so I'm trying to do what you tell me. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I've written uh, about my illness in several books, and the book Underwater is a book that reveals even the title and the stories also, but even the title reveals how many of us often feel as we're struggling. We feel underwater, and we need leaders who can love us ashore. And um, so, as you know, I want our readers, uh, our, our leaders, to read that book and think about because it's my story, but we included stories of others who are living with epilepsy and, and just how you think about would, would they fit in our team? Well, maybe they wouldn't. So then ask the next appropriate question what do we need to change to make sure they would fit in our team? That's good. And we can love them well as who they are. Um, yeah, I mean, because leaders have to meet people where they are before we can take them anywhere, and then also the book uh, "Pause with Jesus," and I think we, this would be kind of a good good way for us to move toward our end here. Is uh, as I was as I was writing one of the chapters in "Pause with Jesus." Oh, and I'm going to cry even talking about it. I was speaking at a at a conference in Florida, and it's a special needs conference. It's is a ministry that that has a disability and special needs families. And it's just like, I would go there several summers, and I just loved it. And this one night was like the talent night. And these young children, that I, I mean, I was there to speak and to give the devotions for them. And knowing I would be interrupted every time, but I loved it, mm-hmm. I loved it. But this last night, uh, they did talent. And even though their talent would be ranked differently in our American view of talent and level, I thought, that is New Testament church. Mm -hmm. I want to have a church where there are people, none of them who fit the model of this is the perfect singer or the perfect leader, but... Who are all given a chance to lead as they stutter, as they limp, as they repeat the same line of the song over and over, all out of key, knowing that Jesus is singing along with them. Jesus is singing along with them. I want us to learn that way, love that way, live that way. I want us to lead that way. And, and so, I mean, after that experience, I went back to my room in this retreat center, and I wrote a chapter in Pause with Jesus, imagining that if Jesus was really creating, crafting a church today, that would be his worship leader. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: So good. Well, I just want to say thank you, Chris, for being yeah. who you are and what you do. And thank you, Doug, for being who you are. I Thanks. am so blessed to have conversation with friends. It's
2: been good to be here. Thank you both. And uh, Thank you, very thankful for your friendships.
0: Well, guys, our goal at Next Step is to help facilitate making your next step your best step yet. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleaderships.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Their debut single is coming October 29th. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans to learn more and pre-save their new song, Somebody Famous. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.